Yeah. So Leap of Faith starts next week. And this week we're finishing a series that, we, that we're talking about something we absolutely love to talk about around here. For us as a community, that our community was born in a moment like that we're talking about. Uh, so when you came in, you should have gotten an outline. Yes? Good? You good like that? Inside that outline, there's a, uh, 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 excuse me, I just mis- misspoke. Um, there's a, what, what do we call those again? Programs, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I just learned English last week, so it's a little hard for me. Uh, if there's an outline in the program, if you'd bust that out, set it on your lap, it'll help you figure out uh, what we're talking about and follow along as much as that's possible. And this series is called The Language of God, and uh, today we're at, ta- asking this question about God's guidance. And, and when you think about the language of God, I had this, this thought that just kind of dogged me all week, and so it ended up on the outline, um, so you're the victim of this, but uh, I... I have this suspicion, this strong suspicion, actually it's, it's more of a confidence that whatever you call this deal that us and God are doing together, you know, this, this, this life, this thing we're doing, I have this, I, I, I'm almost certain that it's way more interactive than we can possibly imagine. That however interactive it currently is, like that for you, that it's way more than that. Like, like if you're experiencing, for example, you and God are experiencing this level of interactivity, and you're going, yeah, that's cool, but man, it'd be great if I could experience this level of interactivity. And say you, so, that it's really what's, what's out there is this. Does that make sense? Like, it's, like, it's way more interactive. Uh, there's the, the prophet Isaiah. The prophets kept prophesying about something that was going to shift and start clicking with people in God. It was called the the new covenant, the, the new deal arrangement between us and God that, that the Messiah Jesus would bring in. And one of the great prophets of the, of the Old Testament named Isaiah, the Hebrew Bible, he said this. Go ahead, put that up there. Ready, starting. Let's say now would be great. All right, so uh, it says, your eyes will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk you in, walk you in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. I mean, that's, that's what God's had in mind all along, that, that, you would, that your ears and your eyes, that it would be this interactivity between us and God, right? Super interactive. In fact, it talks about this new covenant where it says the Torah, the, the law of God, wouldn't be out there anymore. It wouldn't be like something you'd, it would actually be written on your very heart, that God would take your, your stone heart of, of kind of slow, dull response to God, and then he would replace it with a heart of flesh, and that heart would have the words from God written right on the heart already, so that even from inside of you, like it would be, that's how interactive it is, right? And so, of course, when you think about this, like the rub issue of the language of God. This is, like Brian mentioned, we're wrapping up the series today. The rub issue kind of comes with this whole idea of guidance, like actually God guiding people, like leading you, right? And so let's think about this, and let me start with this. <clears throat> the point, like why would God want to do that? What's, what's the point of God guiding people, right? So let me start with what it's not, right? The point is not, ready, obedience, it's, the point is not that so you will obey God more. Now, just let me be really clear. I am pro-obedience to God. I mean, I think if God says to do stuff, but I'm not telling you not to do it. I, I'm, yay, obedience. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with obedience, right? I'm just not on board with it as the point. It's just not the point of God's guidance. It's not like why God is guiding you. 
Obedience is great. Yay, obedience. Like, so I want to be really clear about that. Yeah, walk out of church. Yeah, it said I basically do whatever I want and God's cool. All right, well, I, I don't, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. Obedience is the means, not the end. This isn't where this is going. It's, it's a means to get there. And, and when obedience becomes more of, of the end than the means, bad stuff happens. Like stuff gets weird. When something that's supposed to be the means becomes the end, it always makes stuff weird. It just does. Uh, you might, I don't know if you've experienced, maybe you've experienced this. We, here at Journey, we have people like, and you're welcome wherever you are in your like relationship with God, your connection with God, or your lack thereof, or whether your, your faith or your lack of faith, wherever you're at in that whole continuum, you're totally welcome here, right? And so some of you are like, really new to church. Some of you are like me. You grew up never going to church. Others of you are like long-time church people. And, and here's, you may or may not have observed this, right? But there's, there's, a, there's this kind of thing that happens a lot of times to people that are long-time church people. And especially when they started, like these little ones are going to start like going to church from like day one, is that they almost, it almost feels, and I want to really say that strongly, almost, because it doesn't always happen this way, but it almost feels like a lot of them feel like this need at some point in their life to go, I don't know about this stuff. And they kind of have this need almost. It feels like a need to kind of go to push away from God at some level, right? Well, there's a zillion different reasons for that. But one of them is that, that obedience in their little brain somehow has become the end instead of the means. See, guidance is not about obedience. That's me. Now, let me unpack that a little bit. There's a guy we quote around here, Dallas Willard, uh, just passed away, but he talks about two different kinds of guidance. When you hear the word guidance, there's two, there's, well, there's a bunch of kinds, but there's two main ones. One is like mechanical guidance, where you guide something mechanically, you know, like you guide a car or, or whatever, right? You, you, there's a guy um, last, I think it was last Friday, last Friday, at, before all this stuff happened, at, we have a church service on Friday, there was a dude out there, full-grown man, about my age, uh, with a remote control plane that he was controlling, like it was like this this plane helicopter thing that he was controlling from his iPad, right? It's really cool, and and chicks love that kind of stuff. So it was like you know, he's like you know, and in terms of guidance, that's not it, right? That's not what we're talking about. There, there's a verse in the Bible that says, put this up there. It says, "Don't be like like the horse, or as the mule." And the other word for mule in the older translations is, yeah, I can't believe you say that in church. But, um, <laughs> which have no understanding. They're, they just have a bit in their mouth and a bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they wouldn't come near to you, right? It's like, don't, God says, listen, don't, don't be like a horse or a, uh, you know, don't be that. Don't be one of those, right? Uh, that's not the point. Like, if... Sometimes if God has to, he'll resort to that kind of guidance, but it's never the plan, right? But there's another way to guide that's not like remote control, that's not like a horse or a mule. It's, it's like when you, be, when you um, like are a guide. Not when you are guiding, but when you are a guide. When you're a person that is a guide. That you like will actually go with, like when you're somebody's guide, you don't just tell them stuff. You go with them, right? There's that kind of guide. The point is, ready? This is huge. If you get nothing else out of the whole series, and, and I realize there's that chance, um, here's two words you should walk away with. Conversational relationship. That's the point of all this. 
That's why God guides people, is to have with them conversational relationship. After all, right? That's what the Bible's all about. Jesus said, hey, you want to know the most important commandment? You want to know the commandment that all the other commandments are just an ex, you know, like a riff on? And it's this. You guys know what we call the Jesus Creed? It's you shall love the Lord your... Yeah, exactly. You got it, right? So that's, that's the point, right? It's, it's that you love God and love your neighbor. It's not... It's, it's never... Listen, the point is never God just getting stuff done. It's not like God is guiding you so that he can get God's stuff done. Like, God, like God's up there going, I'm very busy in the Middle East. You know, it's crazy over there. So if you could help me, that would be great. Like, that's never the point, right? It's kind of like teaching somebody to surf. It's not like, well, these waves need to get ridden. So let's get busy. It's not that, right? It's trying to, it's, it's, it's way more relational. I, maybe the, my, like a huge verse that I love in this whole area of God guiding and directing us. Second Thessalonians 3, it's not really well known, frankly, and, but it's, a, it's amazing. It says, may the Lord direct your hearts. May the Lord guide you. May the Lord guide your hearts into, this is where God is going, into the love of God and into the, the steadiness of connection with Jesus, into the kind of like the solidness, the, the, the endurance of Jesus, of Christ. That's, that's where God guides you. Here's, let me show you a couple other verses. Jesus, one of the things that Jesus said a lot is this little phrase here. This is about uh, early, Jesus was gathering around him the, the main 12 apostles as, as they later became known. And he went out and saw this tax collector. There's a whole another sermon behind the fact that he's calling a tax collector. It wasn't today like just a guy that works for a bureaucracy called the IRS. I mean, it, they were quasi-gangsters, as it were, you know. And uh, then this guy named Levi, his other name was Matthew. He ended up writing part of the Bible. So that, that's, that's another story. And he's sitting at his, at his office, at his tax booth by the road, where he could jam people for, for extra cash as they were trying to get out of town. And he was actually on this road that was the main road to Damascus, a huge he's making a ton of cash doing that right and Jesus walks by him and there's been some interaction before and he says this say it with me the ones in red he says follow me right around here we talk a lot about following Jesus we say that people who have decided to do that are Christ followers that's that's what we would call ourselves as people who are following Jesus right now there's 21 times in the in the Bible that somebody says that those two words follow me right 21 times every one of them are in the mouth of Jesus now this is what's interesting to me is that no matter where you are in this like every single person in this room and for that matter every person you're going to meet this week every person at your work every person at the gym every person you hang out with all your neighbors the message of Jesus and, and like all of us me you and our friends right Jesus essentially has the same thing to say to all of us. Follow me. Let's go. Let, let's do this. It's, it's not follow the Dharma. Follow the plan. Become a Christian. Join my new religion I'm starting. It's going to be awesome, right? We're going to have like all kinds of stuff. And we're going to have a few wars and everything. It's going to be cool, right? He's not, he says follow what? Say it again. Follow me. Not it. It's super personal, right? Jesus' guidance isn't, it's, it's interactive. It's conversational relationship. One of the ways, if you take first step, 
we call this, and I won't explain it unless you take the class, but um, he, we call it the centered set approach. Here's a, here's a more famous thing Jesus said. He said, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and I'm the one who can actually get you to God. I, I noticed he didn't say, I got the plan. I'm willing to give you the plan. If you'll just join my thing, well, I'll give you the actual plan. No, he says, I'm the way, and so it's me. I will get you to God. It's kind of like the difference, like one of these, like sometimes somebody will tell you how to get something, next slide, and um, give you one of those, right? It's like, here, here's Jesus going, okay, you are here, and uh, here's uh, heaven over there. If you just follow my blue line there, uh, and notice there's only one. You know how sometimes Matt Quest gives you three options? Well, that's not good theology, right? It's like there's, there's just one. Just go down there. There it is. There's heaven down there somewhere. I don't know. What, where's heaven there? Is that... There, well, there you go, right? I don't know how that... So there's heaven, apparently. Yesterday's a little more like hell. There's like a bunch of kooks. But anyways, but um, Jesus said, no, listen. He didn't say... This isn't map quests. This is follow me, right? And there's... You hear this a lot in our culture, too. Some people say, well... What's the most common? Follow your, your heart. Have you heard people say that? And if you've ever watched any movie ever, you know, right? that's the point of the movie. You know, in the end, you just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Here's another way to say that. Ruin your life. Right? Like I, that's just, it's the same thing. If you follow your heart, nine times out of ten, you will ruin your life. You know, Because, have you noticed this? If you're honest about your heart, your heart's kind of dumb sometimes, right? Have you, is anybody else's heart kind of like a, like a knucklehead? Like, and so here's the deal. Jesus says, no, follow, follow me. You can follow my heart, and you're totally cool with that. Look, if, here's what I'd like you to do on your outline. Would you go back up to the verse in 2 Thessalonians that we looked at? Notice where Jesus' heart will take you. He says, may the Lord direct your heart. Where, is, where will Jesus lead you? To the love of God. I, I, um, since it's going to change next week, has everybody figured out the stage thing here? Anybody? Is anybody still going, what, what are they just, some guy put paper mache up there, what, what is that, right? It's a, you'd have to be at least, I'd say about that far out. It's a Hebrew word, it's a, you can look it up online, ahava. It means, anybody? It means love, right? That's where God's going to direct you. That's where this relationship is going. It's, this thing is going into the love of God. Now, look, at, look at the verse again. Um, you think, well, okay, uh, he's going to direct my heart into the love of God. Is this like, there's a, and gr- grammatically, this could be like the love of God, like my love for God, God's love for me, or God's love for everybody. Guess which one it is? Yes. It's called a, a Greek scholar's also called geeks, <laughs> uh, say that this, this is like a plenary genitive. It's like a part of speech that I like, guess it's all those. He's going to direct. God will always lead you. Listen, if you let God guide you, here's where, here's where he's going to guide you. He's always going to guide you to God and love and grace. That's where it all goes. So here's a good question. How? How does God guide us then, right? That's a good question. But here's a prior question to the good question. Here's the question you should ask before that. Why? Why do you want to know? Like when you, whenever you do a, whenever we do a Q&A or something like that, people always ask, somewhere in the Q&A is going to come up, this question, how do I know the will of God? How do I know what God wants me to do? Yeah, okay. Here's the, here's I think what God wants to ask us before he tells us. Well, why do you want to know? 
Because I think a lot of us want to know, here, if, look, if you can have a moment of honesty. I know it's church where you're not supposed to be honest, but um, just, just for the heck of it. I think a lot of us want to know what, about God's guidance and God's plan so we can look at the plan and decide if we like it better than our plan, and then if we don't, say no thanks. Right? It's like, oh, God, I see your plan. I think my plan's better. Thank you very much, Lord. Please bless my plan. Some of us want like an edge, right? Or we're just too scared to make a decision. And so we want God to make it for us. But remember the point is conversational relationship. This thing is highly interactive. So the best question is probably this. Who? Like, how is a good question? And a, a question before that is why? But who is the best question? And, the, and basically, who does God guide? Like, what kind of people does God guide? And this isn't exactly rocket science, but here's the answer. God guides the guidable. I know there's no such word as guidable, but there is now, right? God guides the guidable people. Thing is, Jesus said really in many places that God longs to guide you. He longs to have connection with you in which he is leading and guiding you. Jesus said when, uh, uh, when on Palm Sunday, which is coming up in six weeks or so, Jesus said, Jesus said, man, I so wish I could just gather you together. Like kind of like a, a, a mother hen with the chicks under her wings. I so wish, but he, here's, here's how it ends. But he goes, but, but you're not willing. If you're not experiencing guidance from God, it's, it is not because God has no desire to guide you. It's not because God is so frustrated with you that he's going, well, pfft, you're an idiot. I can't help them. You know, it's, it's not that. It's, it's about you. It's about your guidability. So, right, the, that's kind of hopeful because that means, man, if I'm just guidable, then God will guide me. That, that's what it means. So here's, here's how you can become more guidable, right? And the first thing, and most importantly, is this. If you will choose, God will guide people who believe and who expect and who seek his guidance. That will help you be way more guidable. If you believe that God actually guides people, if you expect God to guide you, if you actually maybe take it one more step and seek God's guidance, he'll guide you. See, listen, God is nice enough and gracious enough with like everybody on the planet to where he still guides people that don't want to be guided. You know, people even that don't believe in God, people that kind of say, I want nothing to do with God, they're, whether they know it or not, and usually they don't, and even if they're ex- cognizant of it or not, they still experience God's guidance. There's a lot of stuff God is protecting them from. Some of you have kind of like the story of your life. You can think of way stupid and destructive things you were fully about to do that God said, uh, we're not. And at the time you didn't know it was God. Now you're looking back going, whoa, God was so, he was so nice, right? But that falls way short of what's out there for you. Way short of, of how much guidance you can experience. Then there's another type of people that, that in theory, they believe that God guides people in general, but they don't really expect them to guide them. Like, they, God, will God guide me? That's the question. Those who experience the most of God's guidance, they not only believe it in theory, but they believe and expect and seek that God will guide me. Like Psalm 31, 3 says, for you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, I will lead you and guide you. God's name says, it's, my name's on this. If you've connected with me, my name's on it, so I, I'm definitely going to do this. I will guide you. And this is like the, 
a great passage on God's guidance. In Romans 8, Paul says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, oh, these are the sons of God. Like, um, put yourself in the place of some of these parents that were up here, and somewhere when their kid's 13 or so, the kid comes in and goes, man, I really like some input, Mom. Can you help me figure this out, Dad? Like, as a parent, right, you're like, oh, you love to hear stuff like that. You also rarely hear stuff like that. Some would say you never hear stuff like that. But just pretend it actually happened once, right? Where they come up. But, I mean, you long to guide, right? Your biggest frustration is, is the guideability, right? And God says, listen, if you, all who are being led by, if you're my son, my daughter, if you're connected with me through Jesus, oh, man, you can expect my spirit to guide you. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself, look at this, the spirit himself, he testifies with your spirit. He swears, he raises his right hand and swears that God keeps saying to you, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. I got you, I got you. For those, notice this, I skipped a few verses. Those whom God foreknew, he predestined, and here's your destiny, to become conformed to the imago of Jesus, the imago Dei through Jesus getting restored to you. Listen, you got to hear this. God's guidance is way more about transformation than information. It's not like God's like trying to go, you know, um, coming up ahead, this will happen. So No, he's, it's about like you becoming a certain thing, like God restoring his image for you. And here's something I, I really, I felt like God was kind of showing me this for some of you. This might fit. If it fits, great. But, but part of the barrier for some of us in experiencing God's leading and guiding in our life, like really experiencing it, is, is believing, expecting, and seeking God's guidance calls for a, a robust trust and confidence in God's goodness. It calls for us to have a, a full-on, no-holds-barred, kind of just uh, out there trust in God's goodness, his absolute trustworthy goodness. And oddly enough, it's funny that it's, you can kind of sit in church or hear religious talk and you can put together a scenario that undermines this more than reinforces it. You'll hear stuff like God's guidance feels like getting hit over the head. By, with a, I've heard that from a pulpit. Like, it's like getting hit over the head by a two-by-four. I'm like, Ugh, please don't guide me, God. I mean, nah, I like my head the shape that it is. You know, if, um, you know or, or I hear stuff like people telling stories like, you know, I always said, there's one thing I don't want to do, and that's to, to go be a missionary in Africa. And so God's up there, <laughs> well, you know what my plan is for you then, right? <laughs> get your visa ready, you know what I mean? All your shots. I hate shots. I know, get shots. Like, see, so if that's how it works, who in their right mind wants to be guided by God? But look, do this. Let your eyes go back up to the middle of that Romans part. First of all, remember, God will direct your heart into the love of God and the steadfastness of Jesus. But he says, for you have not, the spirit of God inside you is not one of slavery leading to fear again. It's not one where you need to be afraid of. It's the spirit of adoption as sons. It's the spirit where you cry out, Abba, Father, not in agony. Like, Dad, please stop hitting me. No, it's not that. 
he testifies that we're his children. And I, I really get the fact, I fully get this, that for many of us, our background is such that God as father is not connective to us. It doesn't serve us well. Or God as a parent figure just is not a good thing for us. I get, I, okay, can we just get that? But the fact, let me just, maybe you could work with this. The fact that you, that you feel that gap between what should have been and what is, right? Maybe the gap itself is what can lead you to God. Maybe the fact that like you're, there's something in you that just mourns what should have been. Maybe that gap is the, that very sadness of what should have been is, can lead you back to him. Because if you want to be led by God, part of, part of what you've got to get rid of is any, like you've got to just relentlessly strip yourself of shreds of doubt about God's goodness. That he'll be anything ever other than good to you. So first, that's how you become more guidable, is you believe, expect, and seek that God will actually guide you. And then secondly, don't wait, cultivate. Notice the preaching excellence there on how that rhymes. All right, just wanted to point that out. Don't wait, cultivate. Don't, don't wait until you're facing a life-altering decision to begin to say, you know what, maybe I should seek God's guidance. Maybe now is the time. Yes, that is a good time, but it's not the best time. It's kind of like trying to teach somebody, like you're, maybe you've got a kid, you're going to teach him to drive, and you're going, okay, son. Well, like, you're, you're, when you're going to teach your kid to drive, you take them where? Empty parking lot, right? It's like, let's go. Let's go crazy out here. There's uh, seven or eight light poles. Don't hit those. We're good, right? But it's like kind of, what if you said, you know, uh, since you're learning to drive, let's go pick somebody up at the airport, and let's make it LAX, and let's make it 515, right? Let's do this thing, right? That's the worst time to learn to drive. Is that the best? Is he okay? It's not that God won't, like, listen, and if you're thinking, oh, crud, because I really am, I'm in the middle of a life-altering time, and I really need some guidance. Listen, it's not like God's going, well, you didn't seek me then, so why? No, he's not like that. It's not like God won't guide you. It's more like you're going to have a hard time knowing what it feels like to be guided by God when, it's, when you're under that kind of pressure. So don't wait. Instead, you know, like, instead cultivate a life of listening to God. We're entering into um, a holy time of year for the church, okay? Anybody know what it's called? March Madness, right. And, uh, right, it's a blessed time, you know. T- tournament starts, everybody's in. There's office pools everywhere, you know, gambling, illegal gambling in every office, including church offices, and uh, <laughs> planning to win this year. And, uh, and, and you know, it's the best thing about March Madness, if you're a basketball person, in the NBA, which I love the NBA, but in the NBA, everything in the playoffs is a seven-game series, Right. And so here's what happens. The best team almost always wins. Because in seven games, it's, it's all, not, not 100% of the time, but almost always in seven games, the best team's going to win in basketball. But March Madness, dude, it's way better in the sense that, you know what, sometimes the best team doesn't win. Sometimes you have one kid that you've never heard of, and he comes off the bench and just 
you know, if you've ever played basketball, there's, there's <laughs> for some of us, there are only fleeting moments, right, where the basket looks like this big, and it just looks like anything you chuck up there is going in, right? And then you, you have, like, a team like Butler or something that just, like, this team with 4,000 kids, and they're beating the North Carolinas and stuff. And, and the best thing about March Madness, of course, is that so many of those games, especially as you get, like, to the, you know, the Sweet 16, so many of those games come down to, like, last-second shots. I mean, more than, more than in the pros, it just seems like a ton of games come down to like, you know, like there's two seconds left and the coach, you know, the coach, this sweaty guy in a suit calls everybody over and he's drawing up some play, right? And here's what he doesn't want. He doesn't want to grab some guy with a, with a beer and a hot dog going, hey, come on down, suit up. We're going to need a last second shot, right? You don't want that guy. You want the, you want the guy that has taken a thousand three-point shots to take your shot. You want a guy that's, that's been in the gym and just cultivated, like, where he, he could just feel that. He's, he's taken thousands of these. That's who you want, right? So you want somebody that's cultivated, and that's what we're doing. We're cultivating a life of listening to God. We're going to skip that quote and go to the verse. So here's Psalm 143, 10. says this. Look at this. Circle this. Teach me to do your will. This is something God is willing to teach you, but there is a bit of a learning curve on it. So even now, like before, ideally now, if you're in a moment where you're going, man, I got a massive decision I got to make, all right, go ask God, seek God, and we'll do all that stuff. But as a whole, pray this, God, teach me to do your will. Show me how to do this. For you're my God, and notice this, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Like, how about if, God, for at least to start... How about if we just walk this on some nice flat ground? Let's not start by scaling K2. You know, let's, let's start just on level ground. See, being guided by God is something he wants us to learn to do, something that God wants to teach us. And so here's the deal is you get, you get attuned to the whole spiritual realm. You get attuned to that. You get attuned to, to feeling that. Here's, look, look, look at uh, Colossians 3.16. He says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. See, the, you let God's word just richly dwell in you. I, I don't have time to go into these. I put them on your outline. You can look at them some other time. But here's, here's how we get to, here's how you teach, learn to do God's will. You get to know and know the Bible. You get to know the Bible and know it. Notice there's two no's there, right? And here's, I just want to say this quickly. I want to just offer a word of caution about this. I mean, we're pro Bible, big time, we, all kinds of stuff. But listen, be careful because the Bible is a living word of God. It is, listen, it's great to learn the contents of the Bible. I, that's important. But that's not primarily why, why God gave you a Bible, why there is a Bible. The main reason is, is, it, is it is a place, ready, is a place to meet God. It's a place to encounter God. And we acquire knowledge about God's ways without doing those ways with God, without encounter. It can be dangerous. You can become what I call Bible guy, you know? Like you, maybe you've met Bible guy or Bible girl. Like person that's quick to, they, they know stuff and they need you to know that they know stuff. And it's important because they know what you should do and they will tell you. Very forcefully, right? But now, here's the deal. Is, 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 it, 
you, you just see it as a place to know. Get to, get to know and know the Bible. Do what you know. Jesus said, if you're willing to do, you're going to know this stuff. Also, how about if we're attentive, if we quiet down a little bit? Maybe we'll, that's, that will help us to learn to cultivate, like knowing how to do what God wants. Pace. Have you ever tried to steer a car into a corner when you're going like 80? Right? It just doesn't work. Like go at a pace where God can actually get through to you. All right, so don't wait, cultivate. Here's the third one. Is if you want to become more guidable, lean into leading. Like those who, experiencing, those who are experiencing lots of guidance from God are normally not the people that sit like this in God's presence. They're, they're, you know, and they're kind of like this. You know, like when you ever get in a conversation with somebody and, and it gets kind of unpleasant and you can tell body language, right? Like if it gets like a little, you start disagreeing and you know, it's like you start like this and you end up like this and then you're like this, right? And it gets just more and more. The people that are experiencing a lot of leading by God, they're, they're leaning in. They're, they're leaning in. You lean in by like, first of all, people, you know, they're, they're surrendered. They're in, they're all in. They're in over the edge. We won't go into the passage, but they're all in. When you're, like part of it is to decide in advance. Look, this is huge. If you want to be guided by God, decide in advance. I'm, God, wherever you guide, we're going there. That's where we're going. I'm not asking as just a point of fact, we're going where you're saying. It's, how many of you have ever repelled off something? Like, you know, with the ropes and stuff? Come on, be proud. Be proud, you crazy people. You. All right, uh, but you know, part of the deal is, if you, those of you that have tried this know the repelling just doesn't work at all until when? Until you step over, right? Until you're like doing that very unnatural thing of going, okay, here we go. And then, then once you're over, it's like, oh, this, it works. Uh, listen, people experience a lot of guide who are leaning into God. They're engaged in stuff with God as co-laborers. Here's the other thing. People who are experiencing a lot of guidance from God are people who are up, listen, this is huge. This one is bigger than, than I ever used to realize. It's people that are up for an adventure. It, people who are up for an adventure, that they're not a demanding from God comfort. And they're not saying to God, listen, uh, don't change anything and we'll be cool, God, right? Here's what I want and I really need you to give this to me. It's, it's the hobbits that are willing to leave the shire for you nerds out there we're throwing up we had a sports illustration earlier an hour comes to those of you that like to read books so um, you know the, if those are the ones that are ex- going to experience guidance from god I, I sometimes wonder if do you wonder if if god gets bored with our prayers because we just we're so like scared to like pray anything adventurous we want to hedge all our prayer bets to where we never even know if they got answered or not right lord is free bless Everything and whatever, and your will gets done, and uh, amen. <laughs> God's like, I, I really don't know what you want me to do here. Uh, uh, zap, zap, is that it? I mean, there you go. Ooh. You know, like, what do, you, what do we want God to do, right? I think, uh, you know, and part of what Leap of Faith is going to be about is we're going to try to make ourselves ask God some prayers that are going to make God go, whoa. Look at, that, look at that guy down there. Who does he think he is, friends? I think, I think God would prefer that, right? People that are up for an adventure. And then here's another one. For those that, that, that want to lean into guidance, 
It's, it's those willing to, and I know this is a little bit of a cliche, but those willing to take the road less traveled. Willing to take the road that's, that's less traveled. Let me show you a verse from the Apostle John. He says the world, this culture, this, the, the vibe of our culture, it, it's, it's dying. It's a dying vibe. The values that, like if you just kind of hang out and absorb the values, moods, movement of the culture, you're you're absorbing something that is rotting and dying. This has been true of every culture. It's certainly true of ours. And also all the things that it, that it wants, all the things that it lusts after. That doesn't just mean sexual things. All the things that our culture teaches you to go, you got to have this. Oh, you got to have one of those. Oh, you must have that, right? But the one who does the will of God, well, there's something living in that. There's this eternal thing living in that. There's a, there's a taste of eternity. There's, a, there's something, there's a, there's a boredom-proof thing going on with them. Here's one of the ways that you know if you're doing the will of God or not. If you're bored with your life, you're not doing the will of God. You can tell you're not doing the will of God. Those who are doing the will of God, those who are being guided by God, those who are interactively experiencing God's guidance, it never occurs to them to be bored. Those who are willing to take the road less traveled. See, the, the world, that the reason it's called the world is because that's what most people do. So, so sometimes what we are asking God to do as he guides us is we're asking God to help us to win at a losing game. Like we're in a game that if we win it, we're losers, right? It's like, God, please help me to to win at this losing game. And God is like, listen, God giving us what we want and leading us are sometimes two very different things. Does that make sense? Like there's sometimes when God's giving us, like helping us get what we, are, we think we've got to have and God's leading are two different things. And so here's the deal. Those that are experiencing God's guidance are people that are willing to say, okay, um, I'm willing to take the road less travel, traveled, God. So where, where are we going in an unexpected way, am I up for the adventure of something that's going to look a little different than what most people are up for? Am I even willing to, to risk being wrong about a few things here? Those willing to take the road less traveled, they're going to experience guidance from God. Here's the bottom line. Let me show you one last verse. One of the, uh, Apostle Paul says this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So this, for God, God goes, this is what I like here. I like, I, like, I like me some of this. Who desires all people, all anthropoi, all women and all men to be saved, to get rescued, to, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, what God really wants for you, how, it be, how that begins is that you experience something that can only be like, really only properly be described as being rescued or delivered. Or like the word Paul uses here, these are all synonyms, to be saved. That's God's desire for you. You have never met a person that God doesn't say, I want this for them. This is my desire for them. And this is God's desire for you. And maybe you can begin to have God guide you right, like literally, like literally right now. Like in this second. God can guide you. He can guide you and say, okay, 
here's where I want to take you. I want to, I want you to get rescued and I want you to get saved. I want to connect with you. And if you'll let me connect with you, it will feel like being rescued out of something. Being rescued, you'll, you'll feel like sanity was coming back to you. So here's what we're going to do as we worship. Let's start by just having you bow your head, okay? You can keep your eyes open if you'd prefer. For some of you, this won't be the first, but for some it will be, like a first, where you can experience God Almighty beginning to guide you. How cool is that? That God would guide you. So right now, you can just say, God, guide me. Maybe this week can be marked. Maybe you can be somebody that believes that God wants to guide you. You can believe that, expect it. Maybe God right now, for some of you, you you can feel it in your chest a little bit. Feels kind of like, Ooh, something weird's happening. You're experiencing God beginning to say, look, um, here's, where, here's my will for you. For you to let me rescue you and save you and deliver you. Will you, will you let me do that? God, God is saying that to some of you right now. And you can simply go, yeah, God, let's do this. It's about that complicated, frankly. You can say, yes, God, I believe that. I trust you. Jesus, you and me, let's do this. Come into my life. He's willing right now to start forgiving you of everything you've done, all the things that have been done to you, forgiving you of the messes you've made and of the accomplishments you've achieved. He's giving you a whole new start.